Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. The Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. We thank you for our church. Um, we thank you, Father, Lord, that as your children, you have called us into your marvelous light, and you have called us into um, in community together, Father, Lord. And so we just praise you, and we thank you for all the stuff that you do in the midst of that, that we get to come together and worship, and thank you for your son Jesus and everything you've done to redeem us, Father, Lord. So we praise you, and we exalt you, and we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, anybody get the email this week with the recap where we're just talking about the different stuff that God has done this year and everything? You know, every year we do one of those recaps, and it is always a profound moment for me. And it's a profound moment for me because... Um, it's like, I think sometimes, you know, when you're kind of in something that you can't, you're so close to it, you can't see all the things that God is doing. You know what I'm talking about? You, y'all better talk. I'm telling you. I'm have somebody in here breakdancing in a minute, whatever, for everybody. But like, seriously, like, I do this recap, and when I have to start going through this stuff and, talk, and thinking through, like, all the stuff that God has done this year, I'm like, man. You know, and so just to save y'all from reading, like, a whole book or whatever, I cut it down to just some kind of notable things, but it it just, it's always amazing. But this is why it's amazing to me. Not from a stance of like, wow, God did all this awesome stuff, but like, it's always amazing from the stance of, wow, God has been with us, right? Because like when I'm going back through it, there's some hard stuff too. Like, you know, I remember, you know, last year, a little bit after this time, you know, in February, we we was having church out on the playground. You feel me? And then we was outside in the courtyard. You know what I'm saying? We, we lost our building. You know what I'm saying? I spent the whole month, like, I was talking to pastors and, and whatnot. I'm like, bro, we need a place to worship. they like, we're actually hiding in here, too. We, we, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, there's no place for you in the end. And I'm just like, God, what in the world are we going to do? And so this, but then God was faithful, right? He all of a sudden put us in a place or whatever to be able to have church and worshiping and everything else. And who was at the service on the playground? I, I remember people coming to me and going, like, I felt like the failure of the year. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. My church is about to have to have church outside of our own building that we've been kicked out of, and we got orange stickers all over the place, all on the, you know, because they, they make sure they shame you when they come through. They don't just tell you to get out. They be, like, putting, like, the boys, like, they ain't pay rent this month. They ain't, you know, like, and that wasn't the reason. We was good on our rent and everything else, but, you know, the building had some issues, and, and, and it is what it is. But nevertheless, people came to me and were like, that was literally one of the best services we've ever had on the playground, evicted from our building, right? So, like, I'm recapping this stuff, and I'm like, God, you're so faithful, even in the good times and even in the hard times. Fellas, hit that clock for me back there real quick. So God is faithful and he's good to us. And so when I recap this stuff, it just fills my soul and it makes me happy, right? Um, I, was, I was eating breakfast the other day with my brother Nick Veritoff, whatever. I already told him I was going to mention his name. And so Nick asked me a question, you know, because we hadn't got to hang for a minute or whatever. And he said, yo, Jay, he said, listen, 
say, you know, it's been a rough season. I know that the church is, is you know, it's gotten a little bit smaller and stuff. Like, how are you managing through this? Like, how are you, how are you doing with it? Like, what's your, what's your thoughts on it? And, you know, somebody asks you a question and it calls you to kind of, like, start working through stuff in your head. And then when you hear yourself, you kind of get encouraged. And you're like, I don't think I really articulated how I felt about this or whatever. But, like, I'm excited to hear what I have to say, right? And so one of the things I told him, I was like, yeah, man. I said, yeah, I said, it's weird. I said, it's weird. I said, but you know what? I feel confident that God is doing something. I said, but what I worry about is, is the way enemy, the enemy will use it against people in the church and them not know how to contend with it, right? Like, anybody who's of age, and even some young people you may know, when you walk with God long enough, you learn that seasons are always expedient, right? Bad seasons, lean seasons, rich seasons, right? You can have a rich, rich season. It doesn't mean God is just good and faithful. He might be letting you actually ball out in that crazy with your money to show you that you're actually a mess. He might let you get your paper right and you never show up in church, and it might be him being faithful like, let me show you your heart when you get what you want so you'll know to hold on to me for dear life, right? Or he might have you in a real slim season where you're just like hurting to death and you're just like, Jesus, I need you. He might be using that to draw you closer to him because he don't want you to get the paper and get cute on him. Do you get where I'm coming from? And so that's when I looked at our story, and I'm looking at what's happened during the year. It's not like, oh, we've done all these things. I'm like, oh, my God, Jesus, Lord, you've been holding so dear to us, keeping us in rough seasons and good seasons, times when church just feels weird, and we're like, okay, seven people up in here, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, stuff like that, you feel me? But it's like, you walk this walk long enough, you like you realize this is a part of the process. And so when Nick asked me that the other day, when I started answering it, it blessed me. But one of the things it also made me do was like, man, our, my, our church needs to hear this. They, needs to, they, they need to hear this because they need to, number, number one, I want you to know where I stand, but I want you to know why I stand there, right? And I stand there, be, and, I, and I'm going to walk you through it through the word today because I don't want, it's not because, oh, I'm good, because I'm faithful, because I know how to endure. It's because I realize the word of God tells us that Jesus is in it with us, right? He told us that things would happen, and there'd be ebbs and flows when you're walking with the Lord, right? And so I'm th- that's my faith is leaning on that. Not because it always feels good, but I'm just leaning on that. Y'all with me? So I want you to know that too. There's, many of the successes you're going to have in life are going to be because you didn't run when everybody else ran. Can anybody, can anybody attest to that? Any, anybody ever stood the course when everybody dipped out, and then like you're like, thank you, Lord, I didn't hit the road, right? Because you just were being led by the Spirit. God is with us and has defined the gathering of the saints to worship as beautiful and beyond our comprehension. And that's that because he says it. He says that the gathering of the saints is actually beautiful, right? There's just certain things as a believer that you just got to draw a line in and stand with them, right? You get where I'm coming from? Sometimes I'm talking to, um, sometimes I may be counseling people or whatever, and they're going through marriage issues, and they're kind of like, you know, I'm just feeling like maybe snatching up a, you know, I got this girl at work or something like that that I'm feeling. And I'm like, this is where you're messing up. You don't have a line drawn right? Marriage problems don't mean you moved a line. Sometimes you just have, a, have to have a line to save you. You get where I'm coming from? So you don't move with it. Like, this is not an option. This may get crazy, but this just ain't an option for me, and you have to have that line. You get where I'm coming from? 
Like, like you have to have that when it comes to things like, I'm just giving you practical stuff. When it comes to like stealing or whatever, right? Where you just like, cause stealing can get really weird. I used to be like a real thief, 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 thief. You get where I'm coming from? But then even as a Christian, there's just times with like tax stuff where I'm like, dad, yo, like if you just put change this decimal, the, 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 the return goes up a, a several zeros, right? But it's like some stuff like if I contend with it too long, I might go the wrong way. But like sometimes I just have a line. You get where I'm coming from? And holding to the line. And like it's important to have a line when it comes to the church. And like that line for us is drawn by the word of God. And so God says that the gathering of the saints is beautiful. He says when we come together, he's here with us, right? He redeems us and he says that we're actually living stones and together we make the church, right? It's not a building, it's us. Y'all with me? Greek word for church is ecclesia, right? It means calling out an assembly, right? A calling out an assembly. So you by yourself are, are, are a member of the body of Christ, but when we assemble together, we have the church, the living stones gathering together, the called out ones. You with me? That's what the church is. Can I tell you something about it? It doesn't have to feel good for you for it to be true. It's not going to always tickle your fancy. I had somebody at my house yesterday, a friend visiting, and they were telling me about their church had just started. Um, they just ended. They stopped having services, right? So I said, well, what's the problem? What happened? Some with the leadership and everything, they're like, nah. They're like, nah, nah, it's not the leadership. I said, well, what's the problem? They were like, it just feels weird. I said, okay. I'm like, okay, we, can, we know about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, you know what I'm saying? And like, I didn't have members in the church. They'd be like, yo, Jay, churches feel weird lately. I'm like, I agree. I, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm with you on that, right? But like I had to tell them, I said, man, maybe God's in the middle of taking y'all somewhere amazing, right? Maybe it's just one of those seasons or whatever where things are just kind of strange, but God's doing something. Maybe God in his faithfulness or whatever is letting you feel this to see where you're really at. Like, if your affection is really, really with him, Right? He does stuff like that. He does stuff like that. He's a father, right? I just taught my son, no, excuse me, let me stop lying. My son Angel just taught Zulu how to ride a bike this week. And so everybody got bikes. Everybody got bikes. You know what I'm saying? And Zulu's out there, he's like, yo, man, I don't even know how to ride it. So the first day and the next day he keeps coming, he's like, yo, daddy, man, like I don't even know how to ride the bike. And I'm trying, I'm like, yo, homie, you gonna get it. You know what I'm saying? I'm too tired to go teach you, but somebody gonna help you get it, right? <laughs> and, but I'm telling them, I'm like, yo, get on it. And then I have to talk to him about falling. He's like, yo, daddy, I fell. I was like, oh, that's a good fall, homie. Let me see, you got a little scar? I'm like, that's great. Falling's part of the process. On, on the way up, you got these weird little things that's gonna happen, homie. You gonna catch one of them joints, you ever catch one of them joints where the handlebars flip and catch you in the gut? And you just be like, ah! You feel me? I'm like, yo, you gonna get, what do they call it, scorpion? Where you hit the joint and your legs be behind your neck? But that's, we on, you on the way there, brother. You on the way there. But you gotta have it, you need it. You need it. And here's the thing. I'm not preaching this to you to try to convince you to be devout to the church, right? 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that to, to our brand of church. That's not the reason for the message. It's not the reason I'm excited this morning. I'm preaching it for you to be devout to God's church, wherever that may be. I'll help anybody get to where they're supposed to be. A couple months ago, we said, hey, consider leaving the church if this isn't a place for you. Because it's not good for everybody, for people to be here if they're not supposed to be here, but think they're tied to here, right? That's just the loving thing to do. That's not church games, all right? It's not church games. I love being with y'all, and I want you to be here, but I want you to be where God wants you to be at, right? Because we can do church with two people, or we can do it with 200, or 200,000, whatever God wants you to do, but we're still the church because the Spirit of God is in us. Jesus is still everything to us, and it's, it's us together. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? It doesn't have to feel good. But what we do have to know is that we need it for dear life right? That we need to worship together. That we need to gather together, right? We want it to be amazing to us. Not because it has all the things we want and it fits our appetite, but because it fits glorifying the King of Kings, right? You want to know what I think is crazy? People volunteering and kids every week blows my mind. When I've come to church and church has felt weird because it's like, okay, things are changing. One of the things I find comfort in is I'm like, there's a team of people preaching the gospel to my children right now, to a bunch of people's kids. I'm like, there are teenagers actually in another room right now talking about Jesus Christ right now. I'm fine with it feeling funny in here sometimes because I know God is still moving no matter what, right? Remember, I'm just telling you this. I'm not trying to sell you on our brand. I want to sell you on what Jesus is actually doing, and I want you to be able to have it as a tool when Satan comes whispering in your ear like, yo, it's crazy up in here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> come on, yo. You know that you know that be happening. When people come worship, when people, pre- when people come to worship practice every week and they set up the sound week after week, and I know they got stuff to do, that's crazy to me. People parking cars in the parking lot is crazy to me. People gathering to, because Jesus is everything, that is absolutely crazy to me. It's what makes me, it's the thing that I taste when I come here. Even when it's uncomfortable, I'm still like, yo, still in the air. I've seen that somewhere. I don't know why I just did that, but I'm glad this isn't being filmed, whatever, because I would be like, edit that out. It just feels weird. Anyway, I'm going to read Psalms 1 to you, all right? We're going to be going through Psalms 84 today. That's going to be our main scripture that we're going to go through. And the reason I'm going through this scripture is because it kind of paints you, you, you see the psalm, the psalmist with this, you kind, of, you, you, you kind of get caught up in his draw towards the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like one of those things that when I read it, even if I don't feel it, I'm like, God, this is what I want you to do inside of me, Right? And so we're just going to go through it and kind of just exegete that scripture and go through it verse by verse. But I want to start off with Psalms 1, right? Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit 
and its seasons, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. You know, the thing about planet, right? When you see this word planet, right? Um, you, it, it's, it, it's all throughout the scriptures, and I'm not going to go through 50 million verses or whatever, but like it speaks to this idea of being stationary, right? It speaks to this idea of God rooting you in something and using that thing to flourish you, to bloom, to produce fruit. Y'all with me? He plants you. And this scripture is talking about he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. So the concept is this idea, whatever, where you are actually planted somewhere. God is actually taking you through whatever seasons he needs to take you through. But no matter what, it, the end game is always that there's fruit produced, right? So gospel maturity. So like even what I was saying about my son, I don't even know if I even finished this, but like, homie, you're going to go through a season where you're in the struggle before you get to the prize, right? So he learned how to ride the bike. And he's rolling, but he's still having problems turning. So he's still got some more seasons to go through. You don't have to catch the handlebar shish kebab thing. You feel me? While he figures out how to turn the deal or whatever, right? But he's going through his, his seasons. But I'm like, homie, if you don't run from this, right? So I'm always trying to teach my kids. If you don't run from this, if you stay planted, it's going to produce something. It has to produce something, right? Even if it pro produces the lesson that you actually need to run from it. Now you have clarity, right? I'm going to jump ahead of myself, but like when we talk about in the Bible, when we talk about glory to glory, right, and strength to strength, when you see phrases like this, it's talking about when you are under the sovereignty of God and God is beautiful and faithful to you, that like you can't help as a believer but to produce fruit, right? Fruit for you might look like you in front of your friends failing and struggling miserably and still holding on to the Lord. You're stupid. Why are you still talking about Jesus? You're going through everything, the worst stuff in your life. And God is just using it to declare how beautiful he is. Just because they don't get it doesn't mean that it's not true. You get where I'm coming from? That's what I'm talking about, drawing your line. Because for what we believe, we're going to be mocked for it. We're going to be called stupid for it, for not seeing it the way the world sees it. But we talked about it last week. Friendship with the world is enmity with God, Right? doesn't mean that you don't become a friend and assist non-believers, whatever, in, in drawing them towards the Lord, but it means that you do not make peace with what they call truth that you know not to be truth. You understand what I'm saying? And that's why the line has to be drawn, because what's beautiful to the Lord is beautiful to us. And if it's not beautiful to us, that's fine also, because he's promising to sanctify us to it. But he's still our line. You all with me? In the gathering of the saints, he draws a line there. This is beautiful. This is my bride. This is my body. I actually died for this to be so. You understand what I'm talking about? The value has the blood of the creator of the whole universe on it. You get where I'm coming from? We say these things. They're, the, 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 they're amazing as much as our sinful flesh can grasp it, but we just simply can't. So sometimes we have to just rest in it in faith and trust. Y'all with me? It's horrible that we can talk about being redeemed through the blood of Christ and it not really mean that much to us, right? 
But I don't say that to condemn you. It's the reason that he actually died for us. Because our sin is so much so. So even when we feel like we're a million miles away, we get to actually rejoice that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and that that is the truth and draw a line there and walk in mercy and wallow in grace and be all kinds of joyful about that, right? But plan it. Psalms 92, 12 through 13 says this. It says, the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Plan it in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. So I, just, I, I took you to that before we hit Psalms 84. Like, I want us to end this year with, with thankfulness for Jesus, but also I want you to go into 2019, like, equipped for the games that Satan plays, right? The, time, the way he whispers in our ear, the way he plays games with us and everything else, the way he tries to remove the lines that God has called for, for us to set, right? About where our affections are at, where his affections are at, and where we're actually lining up to. All right, y'all with me? All right, so I'm going to read Psalms 84. I'm going to read straight through. And then we'll come back and we'll jump through it. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself when she may lay her young, where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways designed. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah, behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed, for in the day... For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. Tents of wickedness. For the Lord is a sun and shield, and the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So straight off the bat, we hit verse 1 and 2. He says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O, o Lord of hosts. I'm going to move through this kind of quick, especially since announcements took so long. All right. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. So check this out, right? I just want you to be in the right place when we're going through this. We are sitting back and we're watching the psalmist right about their affection for God, right, and what they value, right? But it tells us a lot. This, this for me, is a, is a place that we set our hearts towards as we yearn for sanctification and growth towards it, right? So don't sit, don't feel condemned if you feel like, that's cute and all, but like, I don't know. I could be getting some money on Sundays, whatever. Like, if you feel that way, that's fine. Tell Jesus that, right? Tell him that. Be honest with it. But this is where we're sanctifying our hearts towards, where Holy Spirit is going to lead us into this beautiful thing where we desire it, right? But like verse 2 says, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. So first off, we start with this esteemed presence, you know, this, this esteem for the presence of the Lord. And my next question is, 
why do you feel that way, right? Like, why? It sounds beautiful, but why do you feel that way, right? I know why, why I long to be with my wife and I love her and everything else, but why do they feel this about being in the courts of the Lord, right? I think we have to look at who the author is here. There's a little bit of um, back and forth about who actually wrote Psalm 1. So um, a lot of people, of course, believe it's David, but then some people have said, oh, no, we kind of think it's song of, you know, like it's Solomon, right? But regardless, let's, let's look at both of them. Let's say it's David, and we know David's story. He, he killed Bathsheba's husband, uh, Uriah, one of his loyal soldiers. Um, we can go through a list of treacherous sins that David committed, right? David's longing comes out of this place of brokenness. That, that, that's why the affection is so real. Like I think last week we, we talked very much about this idea of we're talking about Zephaniah and, and him prophesying over John. And he says, hey, John, he, he talks about, uh, you know, uh, John the Baptist. And he says, you know, you are going to actually, you're going to proclaim the way of the Lord that the Lord is coming. He says, you're going to tell these people about salvation and you're going to tell them about the forgiveness of their sins. You're going to tell them about um, um, the mercy and goodness of God. And then you're going to lead them in the pathways of peace. And one of the points that I was making to you is that people love this stuff. We love to put it on Hallmark cards, but we like to skip over the part where he's talking about forgiveness of sins. So we're like, man, this is amazing. He's going to lead us to the pathways of peace. The problem is, and we talked about the other scripture, says, be wretched and mourn, right? And so we talked about, like, you can't even, the, 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 the goodness of God doesn't, and, and, and salvation, that stuff isn't even juicy to you till you realize that you were lost and can't save yourself. You understand where I'm coming from? When somebody, a, a lifesaver is not, if somebody throws a lifesaver to somebody, whatever, it's not a big deal. If they're not drowning, right? But let me be out in the sea, and I'm about to go under. Yo, that joint's going to be, like, I'm telling you, if I, if I survive, I'm getting a chain, and I'm hanging the lifesaver on it everywhere I go. <laughs> you get where I'm coming from? I'm swinging, I'm getting diamonds, put it everything. I'm like, yo, this... You want me to tell you about it? You get where I'm coming from? It, the value of it goes completely crazy. It goes to a whole nother level. So David, if he's the author, David knows when I'm detached from God, my country suffers. My kids end up cursed because of my sin, right? My friends die because I'm willing to kill them to get what I want. That's David's picture of him being detached from God. He suffers. People get hurt when he is away from the Lord. So when he says, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord, my Lord, my heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. He's on his knees with that like, ain't nobody safe when I ain't next to Jesus. I'm hold, I have to hold on to him for dear life. I pant for him like the deer pants for the water. Do you get where I'm coming from? everything. I'm not good on my own. I'm not going to just hold it together. Marriaging, I'm, I'm going to destroy everything. Kids, the whole nine, everybody gets slayed because my idol is myself. So I have to stay in his presence or everything is done. I'm done. You get where I'm coming from? That's what David would be telling you. But let's say it's Solomon. If Solomon's the author, what we know about Solomon from his own words, 
He's like, I've experienced every pleasure known to mankind. I've built, I've written books, I've built gardens, I've ate the best foods from around the world. Kings and queens come and lay gold and everything. I'm the richest man that's ever walked the earth. And Solomon writes to us and tells us, it's absolutely nothing. It's a chasing after the wind. So what they would tell you, I think that they would both agree with this statement. Life is literally only life when in the Father's presence. You get where I'm coming from? That's why you have to go through these scriptures and see what's really going on. Who's really talking here? Because it sounds just like some old good old sweet poetry. It's worth, you know what I'm saying, some snaps on it, whatever, right? But it's, 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 it's amazing, right? Let's look at verse 3 and 4. It says, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. I, when I was studying this, there was a writer, and the way they wrote about this right here was, they kind of painted this symbolism or this picture of the house of the Lord, and they were like, even the swallows and the birds get to perch up on the windows in the, king, in the king's house. That's the way they kind of drew the picture, right? I'm gonna try to make it practical to you. It's like even your homies can get some, right? There's room for you, you, you. I've told you this before, when I used to, when I was lost, alcoholic, on drugs, selling drugs, I had this awareness that I know was the Spirit of God talking to me, even in that place. I didn't believe in the Lord. I didn't follow the Lord. Everything I did and thought about was evil all day long. But God used to allow me to eke out this, Lord, come save me. If you were there somewhere, I know that you, if you're powerful, like what I've heard in my mama said and my grandma said and all those, if you are, then somehow you can save me. You can come get me, right? I was putting out a, you know what I'm saying, a flare up in the air like, Poosh. I'm lost out here. And, and I know it was nothing but the power of God that let me even ask that question. But the thing was, I was looking at my friends too, right? I'm hearing our conversations. I remember the day, the first, like we laughed all the time. And I remember the day that like, it just hit me in the middle of laughing. I'm like, yo, we're not even laughing for real. Everything we laugh about is evil. Everything we pursue is evil. And it's like the spirit of God started opening my eyes. And I'm like, God, we're through. We deserve to die. We are like the wretches of society. We pump drugs, and all we care about is ourselves and what we have and everything else. You get where I'm coming from? So like when the gospel showed up, I'm like, Lord, my homies can get some of this. My friends, the people I know around me that I love so much, the people who actually think they are good church people but really are a million miles from the Lord, and my friends who are just admittedly a million miles from the Lord. The door is wide open for us. You got to understand, David, when he's saying this thing, don't hear there's no sweet poetry. Think about a man on the floor in a puddle right now, crying out to the Lord. This is, Scripture is not a game right here. 
Even the sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself when she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house and ever sing your praise. No matter where you're at, no matter where you've been, there is room for you in the house of the Lord. That's something for us to rejoice in. The fact that there's been room made for us and the fact that there's room for the people around us, right? Because we don't walk around like, oh, we in and we're cute, right? We stand at the door like, please come in. Matter of fact, we leave off the property like, yo, salvation is real. King of kings is real. Jesus died for your sins. You understand what I mean? Plenty of room in the house. He said the harvest is great, the laborers are few. Got a crazy big mansion for us, right? Verse 5, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. You know, some of the people, some of the things that draws people's affections away from God is when they start believing what the world has to offer is bigger than what God has, right? That the ways of the world is sure, eh, this God stuff is whatever, right? We have an eternal promise. You could stumble all through this whole life or whatever, be a screw up to the max and still rest in the goodness of Jesus Christ and, and, and walk into eternity. Last week I told you that the word says you will be blameless, you will be above reproach. It means that he won't even come and try to question you down on it, whatever, because of the blood of Jesus, you will actually be above reproach. There's some folks that's gonna have a conversation one day and it's not gonna be a good conversation because they're gonna to try to explain themselves. I did this, that wasn't me, right? Their strength, they've fallen, they've been tricked, right? Satan's run a sucker game on them. They've been tricked. So it says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. It may not always look cute. It may look like hard seasons, just like we talked. And everybody else may feel like they're living it up and everything else. The Bible says, what does it profit a person to gain the world and lose their soul, right? So what do we bank on? What is our line? The next part of this says, in whose heart are the highways to Zion? It's talking about the Spirit of God living inside of us, leading us to, into, this, into his house, into the courts of the Lord. And it's, all, and it's also like following this other scripture where we talk about the house being wide open and even our homies could be in. What's inside of your heart is also a highway for other people to make it into Zion. You have the words of life. Don't let people trick you into thinking that the strength they have in the world is bigger than what Christ has put, than Christ inside of your heart. How many of y'all, and I want you to raise your hand, I'm going to raise my hand first. How many of y'all sometimes get around people that seem like they're successful and have it all together and like they have a way of talking like what, that like you're foolish with your cute little Jesus thing? You ever feel that way and feel intimidated by that? That happens to me sometimes. It's hard to talk, talk truth to power, right? But I promise you, 
the world's power does not compare to what Christ has done inside of you, right? And what I've learned about, like, you know, I'm just giving you, uh, this is just something from an evangelism and sharing the gospel standpoint. I've learned that you don't always have to try to arm wrestle people to believe what you believe. Hang with them long enough and display enough mercy and grace. Because believe me, they don't get it from their friends. They don't get it from their friends. This is unique to the goodness of God that we have to understand mercy the way that we do. You hang with them long enough, guess what? When it hits the fan, and it will always hit the fan, it will always hit the fan, you'll be the first person they'll come to like, hey, everything looks good, but everything ain't all good, and I can't tell my other people because they'll slit my throat like I've been slitting their throats, right? And you've always been merciful. I can't tell you how many times people have just called me, and they be like, I don't got nobody to talk to. I don't got nobody to talk to. But something, the fragrance that's coming from you, you understand what I'm saying? That's why I get on us sometimes about even our Facebook beefs and everything else. I'm like, we're people of mercy and grace. We don't just call people stupid because we are the stupidest. If we're aware of the gospel, we, 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 we stumble before the Lord every day and get to wallow in his mercy and goodness. How crazy would we be to be forgiven such a debt and then to hold people accountable for their stupidness? You get where I'm coming from? Like, we can't play church. Either we the church or we not. Boy, we got to get us an organ up in here, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Woo! All right. We got to. I told you this last week, Pastor Eric Mason says, we are many trailers to the glory to come. Right? Many trailers, right? We are forecasting the beauty of the house of the Lord. Verse 6 says this. It says, as I go through the valley of Baca, they make it, excuse me, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. The Hebrew word for Baca is to weep. So a lot of people believed it was when, 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 when the Jews were going up to Israel, they were going to worship, that they would go through this actual real place that had these trees that were like weeping trees and stuff would drip from them like tears. And it was a hard place to actually navigate and get through. And here he is right here saying, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. This is what I was saying to you earlier. Struggle for us is different than anybody else in the world, right? It's different for, for us because we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I'm going to keep on reading. I'm going to show you how much God loves us. You feel me? I'm going to let Zulu get shish-kebobbed a couple times, but I'm, I'm taking him somewhere, right? I'm taking him. I'm, he's going to ride that bike, and he's going to get somewhere. God does the same thing with us. He lets us go through these weird, crazy seasons, Right? He lets us go through the valley of Baca where it's like, God, I ain't got nothing stored up but tears right here. But in the middle of it, he's still doing this amazing thing where he's keeping us close, right? We're experiencing him. We're in the presence. We're in his courts, experiencing his goodness even through this weeping place. And so he says, they make it a place of springs. The early rains covers it with pools, right? The dry place. The place with tears, that's wet with our tears, is also our place of rejoicing. 
And verse 10 says this, it says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. So it's basically talking about this journey that we are on. Even though there's this place of weeping that we go through, it is worth it. The journey is worth it even for a day in the courts of the Lord. Y'all with me? Calvin says it like this, right? He says, the psalmist, he says, he would rather be cast into a common and unhonored position, provided he were among the people of God, than exalted to the highest rank of honor among unbelievers. If you don't have a line where you think that what the word, what, what God says is true, if it's not powerful to you, then the world is just going to gonna bake you a little cute cake and just draw you out. You understand what I'm saying? What we're looking to be sanctified into, and that sanctification looks like us walking into the light with our sin. It looks like us actually owning that brokenness, like I think we get cute with church and we're like, yeah, you know, I'm messed up. I got these areas, these blind spots. But sometimes when people come and call it out and show it to you, you're like, I don't want to be that broken. Y'all ever feel that way? My daughter, Monty, called me out the other day at the crib in front of my wife. I'm still working through forgiveness. She hit me with one. She hit me with it. She was like, for real, though, you know, like, let's have a real conversation, though. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, okay, 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 you know what I'm saying? But I needed to hear what she was saying. I need to hear it. And then I reached over to Lana thinking she's going to have my back, and she was like, go ahead, daughter. Speak your mind. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, these y'all, they didn't get up on the I'm telling you, all my pride was hurt so hard. But, like, I couldn't say nothing. I couldn't say nothing. They was right. It's none of your business. I ain't even telling you neither. <laughs> but they hit me. They hit me with one. They got it. But I love them for it, right? I look kinda. I kind of love them. I'm trying to love them. Anyway. <laughs> but listen that. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. He is savoring the presence of God. You know, I was talking to my friend Jeffrey the other day, right? And Jeffrey's from El Salvador. And Jeffrey was telling me about, he just came back in town, and he was telling me about church in El Salvador, right? And Jeffrey was like, he's like, first of all, he's like, from an economical situation, he's like, yo, he's like, my family makes like $2, 2 to $5 a day, right? That's just to let you know that. He said, he said we go to church seven days a week. Nobody drives, everybody walks in the dirt seven days a week. He's like, the whole community comes out. Like they relish being together. He showed me video and they are like worshiping and crying out to the Lord. I'm talking about with a ferocious, ain't no joke worship. I was like, get it on, okay. There's no AC in that, in that joint. So it's like 107 degrees. There's hundreds of people and there's no AC. It's 107 degrees, and they're there seven days a week. Guess how much a Bible is over there? 
He said when he was over there, the drummers, um, excuse me, the drummer in their church, they've never had like drumsticks. And he said, so they're using sticks out of the woods because drumsticks were $15. He said he went to the store and got it for him. It was on sale. He got it for $8. But like, that's like three, four days worth of salary. I just say that to kind of magnify some of the things that we allow to dim the presence of the Lord, the courts of the Lord, and our comfort. This idea of what we have about what church actually is or what a successful church actually is, it's poison. It's it's not what is in this word. This word talks about us relishing in the goodness of God through his son, Jesus. And then it talks about us, me and you, being together, gathered around the word. I'm going to talk about this for the rest of the, as long as this church exists. I'm telling you right now, this, this is going to always be it. That's what it, that's what it says. But Jeffrey said, they're over there worshiping God with all they got. I saw it. I saw the video. Verse 10 ends with this. Excuse me, verse 11 ends with this. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. It means he's a light unto our path and he is our protector, right? It says, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. This is important, and I'm going to end with this right here. This is important because it's not that it's just virtuous, right, to esteem the courts of the Lord. I don't want us to get caught in that conversation because I don't want you to go work to like something. Um, It's about savoring Jesus Christ, right? But here's the thing. As you are enjoying the Lord, there are benefits that are just simply automatic in the present, right? There's, eternal, there's eternity, which is beyond comprehension, right? We can kill everything with that case alone. This life is going to feel like a split second con- concerning, you know, in comparison to eternity. And here's the thing. Everything that we think is cute and amazing on this earth, we will feel foolish when we get to heaven and be like, I can't believe I spent my time and energy and resources running after this garbage. That's, that, that's what it's going to be like. It says no eye has seen, no ear has heard. We can't even fathom. We can't even fathom. We can't even comprehend. But like right now in the present, there's benefits. There's amazing things that is happening, right? It says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And here's the thing. This is Old Testament, so I got to make sure you get this right, because I don't want you to hear it and start going, I need to figure out how to walk uprightly, right? We're under the new covenant, so Jesus Christ walked upright, right? He walked perfect. And then our sins... And the debt we owed, God took out his wrath on Jesus Christ. And then we got Jesus' perfect resume all squeaky clean, right? So the way that we actually walk right is that we relish in the work of Jesus Christ. Don't work not to sin. 
work on enjoying Jesus and your mind will not be on sinning and your mind will not be on performing for the Lord and try to earn his favor. You've already received it. Wallow all in that thing. You understand what I'm saying? The, 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 the doors of, to his presence are wide open. If you got to limp into that thing, do what you got to do, right? Barely holding on is holding on. And whether you believe it or not, it's not you holding on. That's where it gets ugly when you think you're doing something. He is holding on to you. That's what I mean when I look at the year and I'm like, glory to God. I don't see us holding on. I see him holding on. You understand? One of the lines we have to have drawn is that God and his sovereignty is bigger and better than everything Satan has to throw at us. That he's even bigger and better and more amazing than even our sin. Our sin is not impressive when paired against the blood of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times we're convinced that our our sin is so magnificent and great that it can just swipe you backwards and forwards. But the mercy and goodness of God, like we talked about it last week where he says, he says, I give more grace. My grace is more ferocious than my wrath right now. That won't stand forever. It'll stand for us who receive it forever, right? But some people just breathing because he's just good. He's a good God, but he may not be their God. You get where I'm coming from? But his grace and his mercy is ferocious to deal with your sin. So much so that you can actually come in dripping with filth and dip yourself in his goodness. You understand? It's that serious. That's amazing freedom to be able to live and walk in, right? But he says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So we walk uprightly by keeping our eyes stayed on Jesus, the work of Jesus, walking in repentance. That's a gift to us, right? Get over yourself. You are way messier, way more sinful than you think you are, than you would like to be. But this story isn't about you being good and awesome. It's about Jesus Christ being faithful, merciful, and that is how we actually draw closer. I told you last week, you hiding your sin will separate you from his goodness right? We got one person full of sin and won't walk in the light and confess the sin. You have another person just as wretched over here, and they're like, Lord, I'm guilty. I'm filthy, Lord. And he says in John, he says, that person goes home redeemed, right? They go home justified because they walked in the light. So like we have to live in the practice of walking in the light. And he loves us so much, He says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. But we have to get our hands, our hands unclenched off of trying to define what we think is right. That's our idolatry. Because I'm like, you know, God, I think it'll be right if you give me a Benz on 24s. I'm just being serious with you. But but even in our our self-righteous things, like even in, excuse me, even in our desires, we end up exposing our sinful hearts. Right? So, like, we, 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 have to be, we have to become so poor in spirit before the Lord that we're like, hey, God, 
I don't even want to navigate this thing. I don't want to even define what right is. I just want to fall on my feet and be in your presence and let you lead me. Like, I'm like a baby, Lord. I, I need you to be like, walk this way. I need you to walk, like, if, if, you, if you let me go too far, I'm going to get cute on you. I'm sinful, Lord. I need you. That's what David's showing us. That's what, that's what he's saying here. He's like saying, God, I need you. Last thing, I'm going to read this and then I'm going to end. Spurgeon says this. He says, the psalmist declared that he would not remain silent in his desires, but begin to cry out for God and his house. He wept, he sighed, he pleaded for the privilege. Some need to be whipped to church while here is David crying for it. He needed no clatter of bells from the belfry to ring him in. He carried his bell in his own bosom. Holy appetite is a better call to worship in a full chime. Stand, y'all. Let's pray. Glory, Father. God, we praise you. God, we thank you for your mercy, Father. We thank you for your goodness, O oh Lord. God, we pray, Father, Lord, that You will continue this work of drawing us into you. Lord, we want to yearn for you like the psalmist talks about. We want to hold on to you in a way where like being with you becomes a priority. Not because we just want to be good. We want to be with you who are good. Not just because we want to get better in our religious walk, but God, because we believe that our sin is so wretched that if you leave us to it, we're through. Several things around us are through. It just, it just breaks things. It just breaks things. It just breaks things. It's like an elephant in a china shop, Lord. It just walks around and it's knocking all these valuable things over and breaking them. So, God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for Holy Spirit for drawing us to you, for constantly elevating you and lifting you up to us. We don't want to be superheroes. We want you to be our hero. Lord, help us find that in the realest way. Help us, Father Lord, to wallow in the privilege that we are your children and that no kind of tidal wave or no tsunami that Satan sends can overcome us. You say that we're more than conquerors. Father Lord, not because we're awesome, but because you've conquered everything for us. And since we were your children, we've inherited that title, that we are conquerors also, because our Father has conquered it for us. Let us believe that. If we're going to boast in something, let us boast in what you've done for us and who we are because of you. Let that taste great to us. Thank you for saving us from ourselves. So, Lord, be with us, Father, Lord, as we worship you this morning. 
as we savor your goodness, Father, that you've shown us through your son, Jesus, Father. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.